Hi, I'm Luke Campbell, <laughs> and I work for a small wine company, and he's... Hi, I'm Luke Morris. I, uh, I work for a different wine company. And together, we are Luke's Talk Wine, who talk all things about wine and booze, popular culture, think when to drink, why we drink it, and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello, Luke. Hi, Campbell. Well, this week... <laughs> Season two, episode fourteen, it is all happening. No, season two, episode fifteen. Fourteen was last week, but we it's are all back. happening. It's all, it's happening all happening every week. Is it always happening? Does anything ever stop happening? I suppose it can't no. stop happening. That would be the end of life. Oh, right, as you were. Episode fifteen, season two. We are back and it's happening. First up today, our topic is food and wine matches and the best of them. And secondly, we've got a listener question, actually. A regular listener from the listening audience, Shieldsy, writes. Shieldsy. What does he write, actually? He writes. We should get a Patreon start, start and then start, you know, charging for questions or something. Maybe we should. No, Shieldy writes, if you could visit any – let me look at this, the way the, quest, the way the question is structured. He writes, if you could visit anywhere, what waterholes would it be in top five order? So, Shieldy, <laughs> we will get to that. That is um, an extraordinary question. Sounds actually. like he was at a waterhole when he wrote it. Yes, that's right. So on behalf of the listening audience, if you go anywhere, what would be your top five watering holes and why? Well, we will get to that, Shieldsy. But first, as with every episode, we always love to ask, what's been happening in your wine world this week, pal? That almost sounds like you're asking the audience. They should let us know what they've been doing for the, the week. Audience? Anybody? Shieldsy included. Just what's been happening. Just you know, just stuff. Just, just stuff. Just, just stuff. Just tell us stuff. Uh, I went to the dinner that you didn't come to, and uh, oh, yes. had the um, a two thousand and two Steingarten. Um, it was it was produced by Ooh, Jacobs really? Creek, but I think Jacobs Creek is like a crappy brand. But Steingarten is a fantastic vineyard, and it's hard to stuff Ooh. up good fruit. So had that, and that was. That was fun. It was 2002, 20 years old. It sat on the bottle to age for 20 years, and that's how long it was kept for. Yeah, right. Was it in its drinking window, Luke Morris? Uh, Riesling is one of those creatures where it all depends on what you kind of like. Um, I think it was drinking extremely well. I think it had um, uh, had great rate on the palate. It didn't really look Riesling-ish. Ooh. Because lots of people would be thinking Riesling is like clean, crisp, light, lemon, limes, sort of flow aromatics. It just looked and almost looked like a Chardonnay. It was it was that broad on the palate and um had had so much ripe sort of ripe fruit on the nose. But I think that was just a lot of developed characters. It wasn't kerosene, so it wasn't going mm. that far. Um and I think reasoning before it goes kerosene is good. So it was really good. Yeah, excellent. And, yeah, the Swine Garden is a very um, – you're right there? Did you just fall off your chair? No, it's just, you about uh, it just dropped something. Hmm. Uh, the the Swine Garden vineyard is, in fact, that uh, famous Barossa Valley vineyard 
which looks uh, kind of what what's the it looks east towards the Eden Valley actually, but it's a very famous and one of the oldest um, some of the oldest Riesling vines actually in the country, probably if not the world, but that's Steingarten Vineyard. Yeah, it's a very very famous wine. I'm not sure if it's still in the Jacobs Creek portfolio, but I know the vineyard still exists because you often see it written on um, written on labels. Yeah, I don't think so. This, I don't know. I haven't seen it around. Mm. I'd be surprised if Jacobs Creek is still using it, but that's just me being a prick, just thinking that Jacobs Creek would um, flog anything to death until they can get and squeeze anything out of the brand name anymore and then move on, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. That's me being sceptical of the industry, but people do that. That's That happens. It does happen from time to time, and, yeah, scepticism's warranted, seeing we're in a massive argument or, a, a, you know, some people were trying to describe it as a tiff the other day with uh, one of the biggest consumers of our wine. It still hasn't been resolved, and they're looking for other markets, but what has happened is, obviously, there's been a flood of excess wines on our market. Oh, for the excess uh, Australian wines. Not, I thought you were talking to you and me were having a tiff. No, no. You and I are having a tiff. I don't think so. Are we? No. no. I'd be the last to know. I feel like I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, but you're, talking about, you're talking about something like, no, China's not taking any of our wine because of they're just grumpy bums and they're mostly into Bordeaux anyway. And they um, have put some tariffs on. Are you talking about hmm. England or? Where, 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 no, I'm talking about China. They put some big oh, ass tariffs on it, uh, and pretty much massive restriction of trade because some of the big companies have been dumping their leftover. Oh, that. Yeah, they got them. shitty with us for for using them as a dumping ground. Well, not us. Mm. Like, um, I don't know. Not, actually, don't not you and I don't know who specifically was doing it, but someone was doing it. Oh yes. Do you know who was doing it? Who was using China as a dumping ground? Oh, I'm not at liberty to say, but companies much larger than ours. Are you talking about like Treasury Wine Estate, who own Penfolds and those things? Oh, it may, it may have been, you know, that, that company. It may not have. Who's going to sue you? Just tell us, Cam. What are you afraid of? Oh, like, do no, you no. have some feeling that they're going to be, they're listening to this podcast and they're just going, if Campbell slags us off, we're going to go any more guns blazing. We're worse than Disney. <laughs> I am not. Uh, I'm not willing to uh, admit for fear or favour or for in case of incriminating somebody, it shouldn't be incriminated. So I'm not into it. Oh, okay. It is all speculation until we do. Maybe I'll Google it and uh, <laughs> get some evidence. Yeah, sure. Um, everything's alleged until it actually happened. That's what I say. So. <laughs> Hi, this is Luke Morris from Luke's Talk Wine. I've written some books. So visit lukemorrisha.com.au. Go there, see the books, buy one, support the podcast. That's Luke Morris, ha. Dot com dot au l u k e m o r i s h a dot com dot au. Have a great day. You're back from the comedy festival. You're back out. Uh, what did you What did you enjoy that Riesling Steingarten? With speaking of our topic this week, what did you really pair it with? Oh, uh, we didn't really because we were at uh, a Chinese restaurant and uh, just ordered dumplings, and I don't think we really did any sort of that's going to go with that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, 
But you're the smellier. You know all about food and wine. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that just enjoys the drink and enjoys the food and doesn't really care too much about, you know, whether they're supposed to be matched in some sort of 18-star Michelin, Michelin stars stuff. That's you. So what, what should I have put with the Riesling? What, what, Michel- what would have Michelin been your tip? Star, Michelin stars or not, Riesling and dumplings, I, I would suggest, would be a great pairing. Um, you know, some of that spice and, uh, you know, uh, characteristics of the seafood and the dumplings would have gone exquisitely with that. Uh, we did get some Riesling. seafood dumplings. We got some porn, uh, some, yeah, porn dumplings and some, uh, there's some pork dumplings. There's a few vegetarian dumplings in there. I always get some of those but you reckon seafood riesling and even aged riesling and seafood well aged riesling can take a little bit more of a wider audience because when you're pairing your meal with the right wine it just heightens the flavors of the both food and the wine really but aged riesling you know riesling and scallops riesling and you know fried food but aged riesling with richer things like pork and chicken and stuff like that Uh, yeah i tried to order something fried but they weren't having a bar of it Oh, God, no. Anyway. Not, not, not even any fried dumplings. No, they didn't have fried dumplings. It was all steamed <gasps> stuff. Yeah, right. It was good, but anyway. Well, the cl- you know, the classic mixes of, you know, Shiraz and steak and yep. duck and pinot and all that. I mean, they're, they're the classic Chablis and oysters. Um, they're absolutely the classics. But, yeah, Riesling and scallops, Riesling and calamari. I love, I just, you know, I personally love Sangiovese and, and, and pizza. Um, you know, the old Chianti Classico, just a slice of pizza, you beauty. Um, hey, that's a good point then, because I'm going to, uh, Eurovision is on this weekend, mm-hmm. uh, or last weekend, depending on when you listen to this. And I'm going to, every year I make something from the country that Eurovision is being held in, mm-hmm. and it's going to be in Italy. Ooh. And I've never made pizza from scratch, so I'm going to make the dough and everything, uh, mm-hmm. and then go and kill some animal and make some salami. No, I'm not going to do that part. Just the dough. I'll make the dough. And so you reckon Chianti? I need to get Chianti with my pizza. You do. You need to get Chianti, and you need to get it happening. Um, you need to get it aerated. <laughs> And with your dough, it's all about the flour. You need the finest double O flour you can find. Yeah, and you need to work it, knead it, let it prove. I, I love a dough that's been proved for about 36 hours, depending on when Eurovision's on. Oh, right. So uh, if I like put make the dough about the same time as lunchtime, we'll be okay at least. You will and be okay then, at least. Yeah. And then cook it, cook at night. All right, I'll do that. Yeah, do it. Sandiovese is obviously Italy's most popular grape, but you can expect, you know, medium weight, great firm tannins, that sour cherry, and just it's overall, it's just a really food friendly wine. Montepulciano, can I put Montepulciano with pizza? Yes, absolutely. One of the most undervalued red wines in the whole entire world, Montepulciano di Abruzzo. Yeah, because I, I know if Chianti's are going to cost me somewhere around 30 to $40 a bottle, but I'm on to Porciano, I reckon I can pick up for around the $20 mark. Yep. Also a great alternative. Undervalued, underrated, Porciano. And it's also, you know, you know, light to medium bodied, really juicy fruit. 
little to no oak or mainly old oak, yep. um, you know, equally old vineyards, but just from a little bit further south east kind of thing. Um, yeah, Montepulciano, look out for it. Not to be confused with Montalcino, Brunello de Montalcino, which is close, often gets confused, but very different in weight. Yeah. Hey, what about rosé? What do you pair rosé with? Uh, um, I'm thinking just plain chips, like crisps, just plain crisps in the ba- in, in in the backyard in the garden under a, under a um under umbrella a in the sun. <laughs> just some salt, just some you know salty plain crisps. Maybe salt and vinegar, but probably not salt and vinegar, because it would be just the vinegar would be too much. But yeah, that. Not bad. I would probably have some, you know, grilled pork, you know, sausages or something next to me. But uh, I'm looking for some of those fatty flavours to, you know, really elevate the flavour of the rosé. So, yeah. That's why you have the oil and the chips, man. You just have to open that packet. No effort. (laughs) I want want to go to a bit more effort. I want to elevate those flavours, Luke Morris. A little bit of a lamb kebab or a pork shabbat. But where you go, mate. Just that tangy flavour, a little bit of char on it. Awesome for something like a rosé. You could have charcuterie as well, but I like a little bit of that cooked essence of meat, just tasty, personally. You, you know, chips would be fine, but I'd want to get a little bit more effort. I like fancy pants. <laughs> uh, champagne and chicken, chicken and champagne, chicken and chardonnay, either of those would be uh, just absolutely critical. You don't want to go too heavy on the oak with the chicken. You know, you know, people go these big buttery, robust chardonnays, but oh, I reckon just you know a clear cleansing chablis or a um, you know just something a little bit of peach and stuff, melon, nothing too heavy. To Do you know what goes good with uh, champagne? Uh, oysters. oysters. That's it. Mm. You did say oysters and you did say champagne and chicken, but I reckon just some oysters and nothing else, depending on what you have. I know a guy, I don't know him, we're not mates, we met like twice. He owns like Coca-Cola factories. He doesn't want to be my friend. But he, um, Dom Perignon Rosé, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but Dom Perignon Rosé and um, uh, KFC Chicken is his dream match. Dom Perignon Rosé was the wine that I proposed to my now wife. My first, my only wife with. Uh, it was delicious then. It's delicious now. I love a Dom Perignon rosé. Yeah, I only had it a few times, but it was been monumental every time. I reckon you could yep. get away from most champagne rosés and uh, you don't have to go all the way to Dom. There's some good no. stuff out of the Adelaide Hills. There Just is. Deviation Road. Deviation yep. Road. Absolutely. Um, last one for me would be Sauvignon Blanc and goat's cheese. I don't drink a lot of Sauvignon Blanc, but when I do, I love it with a bit of goat's cheese. Absolutely outstanding. Yep. I do it in the Loire. Kidding. You need something to override that Sauvignon Blanc and goat's cheese has some great characters. It does. <laughs> we can't be too harsh. Uh, I didn't say drink New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. I said try Sauvignon Blanc. Sauvignon uh, Blanc doesn't necessarily always come from New Zealand, Luke Morris. Come on. But do you know what? Easily one of the best wines I've had in, ever is a um, Didier Dagenau, um Loire um, wine, and that's 100% Sauvignon Blanc, and it was absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. 
so I'll still badmouth it sometimes, uh, but it has made one of the best wines I've ever had. Well, there you go. There's a turn up for the podcast. <laughs> if speaking of the Loire and speaking of travel, Luke Morris, which brings us to our listening listening question from our listening audience. <laughs> And hello to the listening audience, oh, love by you. Segways. <laughs> if you want to find me, you know, if, and when we're not travelling, actually, you can I can be found on the interweb there at vinified underscore wine underscore services. He's Luke Morris. Where can we find you, Luke Morris? If not uh, next to a sign that says organised, but where? Uh, I, I might be at that sign on Wednesday if anybody wants to find me. But also, uh, Luke Morris. Ha. Huh? Is the um, Twitter handle excellent? I don't have Twitter it, actually. <laughs> so, good luck. <laughs> it is your handle, Instagram handle. There you go. Perfect. We, we've been talking. So th- this list arrives from Melbourne Town, and he says, "If you're in Australia, if you could go anywhere, what would be your top five drinking waterholes and why?" Um, I've got one, and I'll start off. How about that? And then you can retort, if you will. I'm yeah. going to say the Lark Distillery in Hobart. And if you're oh. there on a Friday night, uh, they have a little bit of a Cali. They had a, like a, a Cali, C-A-L-L-I-E, like a little bit of a Scottish knees up, and it is a dead set blast. It's uh, in the wintertime. It's cold. You've got a couple of wee drams of Scotland. Um, Scott, um, not single malt scotch, of course, but um, so not malts of Scotland, but you've got a couple of single malts from Tassie, which are just delicious, and uh, it's a little bit of a knees up. It's good fun, actually. That's uh, be one of the places I'd go. What about you, Luke Morris? Where would you go? Um, uh, let's see. There was a really nice uh, bar that I can't remember the name of, but it's in London. It's one of those really old ones where they've got... Uh, port casks you know it's just sort of jammed into the wall because and it's near near the thames and uh it's one of those places where ships used to come up the thames unload their wines uh, and they would roll the bells down into this underground sort of uh cave and yes. they've opened it up a little bit so that uh, people can sit in there now, and you can get all kinds of. And you, you said the the word charcuterie sh- sh- boards, charcuterie cured meats and cheeses. I think they mostly yeah. do all kinds of uh, fromage, because once again they had a history of you know fromage coming across and a whole bunch of port barrels and oh, uh, that was a lovely little den to sit in and read my book once when I was over there. And uh, yes. What about, a, what about in Adelaide? You were in Adelaide recently. What about, yeah. Um, yeah, what did you, did you and I discussed Hellbound Wine Bar on this yep. um, podcast. That is an exceptional place to uh, get refreshed. <laughs> yep. Tick. I, I always love Hellbound. The Exeter's not bad. The pub in Adelaide's not bad either, the Exeter. Um, Speaking here of in, pubs, there's one yes, in um, yeah. the Clare Valley. I can't remember the name of it. It's actually sort of up the street from... Uh, not. Oh, who's the who's the Clare Valley producer who has some good ice wine or good uh, cordon cut cordon cut Mount Horrocks. Uh, Mount Horrocks up the street from yeah. Mount Horrocks. There's a pub, 
and uh, that's one of those fantastic places where the the wine list is as good as the beer list, and they're not being, you know, they're not being too snobbery about either one. They've just got some good stuff. So, yeah, she's been in the centre of town. It's been a while since I've been to Clare, but. Um... I don't think it's in the centre. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's in the centre of that town, but that town's yeah. just near Mount Horrock, and I don't know what you would call the centre of Clare Valley is, but that's where that was. Mm. Um, well, you know, you know, we had Napstein and um, all those kind of guys. They're, they're right in the guts there. But yeah, I think I know you want to mean that the, the one. The one I'm thinking of it was called Bentley's, and you're right. They've got a a great beer list, great wine list, cellar underneath the main bar. Um, it's probably, it, it would be on the main road. It's been a while since I've been in the Clare. Um, what I hear more locally, I, I do love um, Pearl, Chablis and Oyster Bar, which is only just new on the scene here in Melbourne town, but uh, mm. it's got a wonderful list of Chablis and you can have, yeah, you can have oysters shucked to order and, some really nice wines there, but um, fresh kind of French wine bar type scenario. It's all set out in an Art Deco form, but the the owner's got a relationship with the oyster producers, and he's just shucking some delicious oysters to order. I love that place. Do you know what that reminds me of? Uh, being in the Rioja and uh, annoying the shit out of um, some people because I didn't know this, but there was a bit. There's a bit of a um, uh, regional rivalry between Rioja and uh, Sherry. Uh, I don't know what the correct term for the town that produces Sherry is, but... Um, Juarez. Uh, sorry? Juarez. Juarez? Juarez? Juarez with a J. Juarez. Yeah. Juarez. Yeah. Uh, but we got um, like uh, sardines, but like, like the grilled sort of salty, a um, little bit crumbed maybe... Sardines just cooked. There's this tapas bar, and they had these beautiful sardines and glasses of of sherry, and uh, uh, we had that actually in Rioja. But gosh, it was amazingly good, and the place was just cool. Had all kinds of things hanging from the walls that I think was the sort of local bits of art. And uh, it was a stand-up bar. I don't think there was too many uh, anywhere to really sit down because I think they just got packed with people coming in, ordering food, standing around at little conversation tables, drinking their wine, having their food, chatting away, mingling. That was that sort of vibe of a place. Get get out over there if you can because the food is just fantastic. They oh, really yeah, know how to do good. food and wine. Yeah, they do. They do it well. Actually, you, you remind me of a place in Sydney actually divine food and wine which has got a little bit of that vibe you can go anytime you know the day or night you can have you can have a bite you can stand at the bar you can sit in the back in a restaurant table but yeah you know you could have a sherry you could have an they actually have i reckon they might have australia's biggest amaro list but they've got yeah you could do a cocktail you could do a degustation if you wanted to but there's just a vibe you know like you could stand there for an hour or a day and be happy as you know (laughs) Little snacks on the plate, little you know, little thick pasta here, little pizza there. Just ah, oh, divine food and wine in Sydney. It's right in the guts of it, actually. What makes Delicious. a good place then? What are we choosing? Yeah, are we choosing I, something based on the drinks, based on the food? Is it the ambience? I suppose it's all three. But what what do you, you as someone who's worked in restaurants a lot? What do you like take the most pride in? 
I really want a place that just feels warm as soon as you walk in, not someone to make it feel warm with a greeting or whatever. I want something to feel warm. And then I'm enticed by the food offering and, you know, the, the, the drink offering or whatever. But if a place feels warm, that, that vibe kind of just kind of floats through you and that's what I want, Luke Morris. I yeah, that connection you can... Yeah. The connection, that's probably a better term. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that's the thing well, with the place in Spain that I was thinking of. Like I, it had these great colours in it and unlike everywhere else, I don't know what it was, but there was just something about it that made it feel quite... Um, uh, engaging you know and and the place in england was just this historic there's just this rate of history to it and then i you know that made a connection and then i you know started to enjoy all the other things aside from it so yeah i, I think i see what you mean like the um i guess the pub in la just had cold beer and that was enough for me at that time <laughs> Yeah, you 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 weren't. I bet you didn't walk in. You weren't enticed for the cold beer. You just you you hoped they had a cold beer. But when you got in there, you thought, oh yeah, this place is worthy of having a beer. Like yeah, yeah. And and I think you know to answer to go full circle there and answer Shiri's questions. What what are we looking for? We're looking for something that has that ambience. We're looking for something that is welcoming. But also the why are they our top five? Well, you know they, they've also got something unique. Whether it's the you know, whether it's Hellbound, which are just serving cracking wines that you may not have heard of, whether it's Divine in Sydney that have got an amazing Amaro list, whether it's that place in the Rioja that's just got those crumb sardines, like everything's got, you know, it's just a little bit of something special about it. Yeah, the, the old personal emotional connection. That's it. And that might be something that no, nobody else will feel, but uh, it's mine. And that's perfect. Hmm. Well, what a better note to wrap up the show on, I think. Uh, (laughs) Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Thank you to the listening listening, obviously. Let me say that again. Thank you very much to the listening audience. And obviously, thank you to you, Luke Morris. Thanks, mate. No, thank you to you, Luke Campbell. What are you doing this week? Well, what have I been drinking this week? I'm, I am actually drinking, and I mentioned to you earlier there, I am drinking some Sangiovese. I'm drinking some Sangiovese actually from Heathcote, from Vinaya oh, yeah. uh, Marson, Mario Marson and his oh, daughters yeah. um, producing some outstanding stuff up there actually, and I'm drinking it this week. We're due to host a dinner actually with Mario later in this week, and I'm looking forward to it. So I'm just warming up with a uh, glass of his Sangiovese. They're on our site, Vinified com.au uh, and I'll be warming up with one of those a little bit later on. Enjoy. And you got yeah. and you do and do you say you you're visiting there but are you do, hosting a tasting there was it? Or? I I'm hosting a dinner with Mario yeah. later this week actually here in Melbourne. Oh beauty. Um, and we're going to get stuck in and we're going to be pairing some of his wines versus some of his inspiration inspiration wine so which will be a lovely tour or a journey through uh, his life in wine. Cool. Hmm. Oh, look out. Look out. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, thank you. Thank you to the listening audience and thank you to you. You'll be back next week? Yeah, I'm here. I'm hanging out. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. And in the great words of Tony Barber, keep smiling and bye for now. Vinified are the wine cellars specialists. We're Australia's only personal sommelier service. Our sommeliers work with you to build your cellar. Our aim 
is to bring you the wines from the freshest new producers, all based on your tastes. We can come to you, source your wines, present tastings. Think of Vinified as your wine concierge. We can do retail, we can do tastings, we can host your dinner parties, or we can procure you that rare wine. Vinified is proud to be associated with Luke's Talk Wine. www.vinified.com.au